I um, I normally sit to preach, and um, so hope that's okay. It's not that I'm getting old and lazy. It's just that um, it kind of um, reminds me a little bit more of how maybe Jesus and um, and his world kind of done stuff. In fact, I don't think he sat. I think he reclined often, kind of sat down on a uh, lied out on a um, kind of a uh, on a uh, mat, and they kind of hung out together. That's kind of how it was in those days, I guess. Um, we sung a couple of words that I thought were quite interesting. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Interesting, eh? Break my heart for what breaks yours. And let me see the things unseen. That's John 4.35. Let me see the things unseen. And... Um, Sometimes I think we sing the songs and we just sing the songs. Um, but there's um, absolute meaning behind these. Uh, discipleship, um, gosh, that was a great um, description of it you gave. Way better than I'll probably be able to say here. But um, I am a discipler. Um, that's what I do. I work on the east side of Christchurch. And um, as I said to you last time I spoke, um, uh, I... I do stuff around conflict resolution. The other thing I do is I disciple men. I walk with men, and um, the longest person I've discipled, Dallas Harimar, I've discipled for 22 years. We're still doing that now. And um, so I was here, and he was there when we started. He was just a new Christian. I've been a Christian about 10 or 12 years. And, um, and now we're here, and he's moving up there. All right, so I'm releasing him. Other guys, you've seen some guys who come here, uh, with me as well, um, discipling them, and um, uh, uh, I disciple. So I'm quite intentional about disciple. In fact, I'm incredibly intentional about it. Um, as I say, that's what I do. And I was intentional from the time I became a Christian about uh, discipling. Um, uh, for me, I disciple men. So my question is, are we discipling people like they did in Jesus' day? That's my question. Are they discipling people like they did in, Christ, in, in Jesus' day? And uh, when I look at these young people over here, I wonder who in the next age group is walking with them and laying hands on them, appropriately, of course, and um, helping them explore spiritual gifts, all the things, um, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, um, how to deal with all that stuff around your inner world in a Jesus-centered way, how to do conflict well, all of these sort of things that are actually uh, rich um, ways that we, we, um, uh, 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 we're to do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that um, you are our model. Lord, as we consider what it means to be a Christian and how to walk in the Christian walk, Lord, um, you've modelled that to us. You've modelled that way of uh, living and your disciples did as well. Lord, they modelled that way, especially when they got full of the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul and Timothy and others, they've modelled that to us as well. And we see that in the, in the Bible, in the Word of God. And uh, Lord, we pray that as we contemplate this incredibly important uh, topic today, 
Lord, um, we'd look at our own self, Lord, in a world where privatisation seems to be um, really important. Lord, a world where culturally privatisation um, is really important. And, and privatisation of faith seems to be really important as well. Father, we want to challenge that this morning and, um, and allow your spirit to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was young, I worked on a farm, uh, myself and Sharon, as a married couple. When, when we got married, Sharon was a town girl. I was a uh, kind of a farm boy. Um, when we met, um, next thing, we're out on the farm, married couple on the farm. And I wasn't a Christian then. I, was, um, I became a Christian when I was 29. Uh, I became a follower of Jesus when I was 29. And... Um, and so um, I used to, uh, we used to do a thing called the lambing beat uh, around about this time of year um, where the lambs were born and um, uh, started around about uh, late July, early August and um, would often be snowing and that sort of stuff. And the old farmer I used to work for used to come and pick me up in his, um, in his truck and, uh, and the old dogs on the back and we'd go out and do this lambing beat together and uh, if it was raining or snowing, and he, he, was be about, he was about 70 odd and I was about 20, 24 or so. And um, he was a big man and um, used to be a rugby player. And, uh, and so anyway, what I used to do was I used to try and figure out if I could get him talking, we'd sit in the truck for hours rather than getting up in the cold and have a good old chat. And, um, and so what would happen is he'd we'd skin a lamb or something, he'd, you know, use his knife to skin a lamb or something. And then he'd, he'd, we'd sit in the truck and, um, and he'd get his knife and he'd, he'd open it up and he'd, he'd, he'd give a bit of a rub and take the blood off it, cut an apple in half, you could see bits of red around the outside, that was the, that was the blood from the lambs, and um, he'd give me half, he'd add half, and I knew mate, we're in for a good old chat here. And uh, anyway, so sometimes I'd just sit there for two hours chatting away, and one day I said to him, um, Mr. Doig, um, were you a good rugby player? And he says to me, um, as he peeled the apple, he, he says, um, it's like this young man. He said, um, you follow the good players, you get the ball. Ooh, that was a wise saying. You follow the good players, you get the ball. Not too long after that, about four or five years after that, I became a follower of Jesus. And that statement was a prophetic statement to me. Doug? Follow the good players. You get the ball. I've never read a book in my life um, when I came to Jesus. And all of a sudden, the, this thing's in front of me. I've never read a book. Um, so all of a sudden, I started to read that. So I, I got stuck into the book and um, read it like crazy. Um, went to home group and that sort of stuff. And I asked these Christians, how do you follow this Jesus? Because he's a radical dude. He's real radical. How do you follow him? And... Um, and I kind of thought, oh, a lot of these guys just talk about you go to church this Sunday, you give, you give money to the church, you don't swear, and, um, and you go to, go to a group during the week. But it's kind of like, yeah, but what do you do for other people? When I look at this Jesus, I'm reading about him in the Bible, he's, he's radical as, he's, he's casting out demons and they're shooting into pigs and, and the pig farmers lost all these, um, all these pigs, they've all shot over a cliff. Um, another lady is caught in the act of adultery and, um, and Jesus uses powerful, 
powerful saying nothingness to these people. He said absolutely nothing except uh, wrote a bit of stuff on the ground. And, um, and these people all walked away, their hearts are convicted. So I'm reading about this Jesus saying, whoa, there's something about this dude. So I asked these Christians, what, what are you guys get up to? And um, it all kind of seemed a little bit boring, actually. And um, by what I decided, I'd, I'd, I'd find the good players. There'd be some good players among them, and I'd follow them, because I'd get the ball. And that happened for me, actually. I never knew at the time his statement was actually a biblical way to live. Follow good players to get the ball. So, Jesus was a Hebrew. His church was a synagogue. And in the synagogue was a rabbi. Kind of like a pastor today in our churches. Now if your son said to you, uh, Dad, I want to be a rabbi one day, what would happen is, was this young fella, he would go to, he, he would check out um, online, you know, what the rabbis, what all the local rabbis believe. And what he'd do is he'd, he'd go, go there and he'd, and he'd decide, oh yeah, I kind of get where that rabbi is at. Right? So, um, so the rabbi would have their CV, as it were, on the, on the, on the computer, and you say, oh yeah, so this is what this rabbi believes. And so what he'd do, the young man, is he'd go and sit under the rabbi, right? He would go and, um, and, and so he, and the deal was, he would follow the rabbi. He'd find everything out about his life, he'd observe the way he lived, and he would follow him, right? Not only listen to his teachings, right? He would, he would follow him. He would understand, he'd watch the way he'd done conflict, all that sort of stuff. When there's the reactions, how he dealt with the reactions around his life and all that sort of thing. He'd say, oh, you know, Harry, Harry walked with his wife, all that sort of stuff. I, I hope um, rabbis are married. Uh, but anyway, um, so, so what would happen was he was observing everything about him. And they'd sit and talk together, that hooey together. They'd talk about life together. And the rabbi would lay hands on him, all that sort of stuff. And the, the rabbi would tell him about God and, the, and how you follow God and what it looks like and, and your spiritual gifts and all that sort of stuff. And, he'd, and he'd, he'd say to the young man, you've got gifts. And the young man would go out and try stuff and they'd talk back together and he'd say, oh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Hey, what about trying this? That's how it was back in Jesus' day. If you look in the, in the, um, in the gospel, you see how Jesus done it. And, and once or twice, you know, the, um, Jesus' disciples said, oh, Jesus, this is too, too difficult for me. And so Jesus said, well, do you want to leave me? John chapter 6, do you want to leave me? Because right? um, in actual fact, this, I can't give you anything else. This is, this is the way to live. And I can't, I, I can't sort of, um, I can't coat it down. Right? So, um, so these people... Um, so, so the deal was that, um, um, uh, so why would you do that? Why would you actually observe the way this rabbi lived? The goal was to decide if this was the rabbi that you would replicate. That you would replicate. This man called Dallas Harimah, he replicates me. Right? What I do, he does. Right? And um, in essence, he would end up saying, 
doing and living exactly how the rabbi lived. That's how it was. There's a saying that's the, um, that the disciples would wear the rabbi's garments. That's how it worked back in, in, in Jesus' day. So when Jesus uh, says to all of us, all of us, about the authority he is passing on to us, yeah, I think I've got this. Yeah. When he's saying to the, about the authority that he's passing on to us, and he's giving us authority, he's, he's giving it to you and I. In Matthew uh, 28, verse 18 to 20, this is his mindset. This is where he was coming from. He was coming from this rabbi mentality. All right? that's, that's what he's thinking. When he's saying this, that's what he's saying. Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to challenge the way that we look at teaching today. I think that we look at teaching in the church often around what's happening right here. This is the teaching, the church. That's actually not how it was in Jesus' day. It was modelling. According to Hebrews chapter 13 and verses 7 and 8, which I'll... Can, have we got that one or not? I oh, know. Hold on. Um, I'll read it out to you. Um, Hebrews 13, 7 and 8 says this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Again, I think we get a mindset that that's preaching from the front. Right? Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That doesn't happen at the front. That happens as we engage with each other, as we walk together, as we rub shoulders together. That's what's supposed to happen. That's why that's what I that's what I spend my life doing. Just that, because that's what Jesus commanded us to do. So um, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. In other words, what they do, you do. That's what the old farmer taught me, right? And um, then it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, what he's saying was, this is how it always was. This is how it is and always will be. That's challenging, eh? That challenged me, right? And um, by the way, I happen to be doing this full-time now. I was doing this when I had a full-time job as well. So people would say to me, oh, well, Doug, you're, you're okay. You, you can do this all day because you don't do secular work. Yeah, but when I did, I did, right? I made it my goal right from when I first came to Jesus. I will disciple people. I'll teach them how to live this way whilst I learn. And um, I was committed to that. Why? Because it's Jesus' way of living. And so nothing has changed and nothing will change. I wonder whether faith today has become so privatised and impersonal it doesn't reflect any of the values that Jesus was actually talking about. I wonder about that. That's worth a ponder, eh? If he's talking about this whole imitation stuff, 
And if today our faith is so private that it's that's that we actually well you'll be right, bro. Rather than actually let's get into life together, I wonder. I wonder if there's something going on there. Still a bit more um, with scripture then um, then we come to us today um, here at a bar, a part of Baptist. I wonder what would happen if we actually said, I'm going to intentionally walk with someone else, intentionally walk with them, and do the things that Jesus was talking about. Let's now move on to the Apostle Paul and how he followed this model of living, this lifestyle. Listen to the way he engaged with three men in his life. He says, so this is the Apostle Paul speaking of Timothy. To Timothy, my true son in the faith. Wow. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. What a beautiful way to talk to someone, eh? What a lovely way to talk to someone. Do you talk like, there's anyone in your life that you talk to that, uh, about that? Someone in the, that's, that's coming up behind you in the church? Dallas, my true son in the faith. Uh, Les, my true son in the faith. I tell men that I love them. I'm really proud of them. When I see them, when we, as we walk this way, you see, what's happened is my hearts and their hearts have become one. I truly love these men. I love them dearly. And I have to release them too when they start to, to grow beyond me. I have to release them into this way of living. Here's another one. He says it again. Timothy, my dear son. Do you remember when um, in, in uh, Matthew 3 when, when Jesus was getting baptised? Do you remember what the father said of him? This is my son whom I love. With him I have great pleasure. Far out, mate. Do you know what? A lot of our worldly dads have never said those things to us. They've never said those words to us. Right? My dad never said that to me. Right? But I can say that to other men, and other men say that to me. We love each other, truly, unconditionally. We don't control each other, but we love each other, truly. And again, here it is with another guy that... Um, called Titus, to Titus, my true son, in the common faith, in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Saviour. Beautiful, eh? Beautiful words that he's saying. Then, then we get Philemon, I think it's Philemon they call it, that I appeal to you, my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Listen to the way he's relating. Incredible way of relating, eh? But we think privatisation. We don't talk like that today. We don't talk like that today. And I'm just not sure how actual intimate we are in the faith today with each other. I wonder if we say, look, just fend for yourself. Fend for yourself in the faith. Paul had an intimate relationship with these men. Is this how we relate with others? We are growing the kingdom of God with together. A question worth reflecting on, eh? 
Is this how we relate with others and others relate with us? Let's look a bit further at Paul's intimate relationship with Timothy. Well, we'll see that Paul is trusting Timothy and, and, and he can because Timothy spent his time observing the way that Paul lives. All right? So let's read it in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14 to 17. I'm writing this to you. So here he is, Paul is writing to this church of, of um, fairly new believers in Corinth, right? Interesting city, Corinth. Um, uh, but anyway, um, so here's a uh, new lot of believers. I'm writing, and so Paul's, I think, in prison. So he's sending Timothy, right? So I'm writing this to, not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. From Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. I'm wondering if he's saying that he sees the same problem then that we've got today. I wonder if he's saying that. Right? Therefore, I urge you, now the old veins are coming out in his neck a bit now and he's saying this. He's saying, I urge you. He's, he's saying that with, uh, remember there's a lot of emotion in scripture. I urge you to imitate me. That's what he's saying. For this reason, I send to you Timothy, my son whom I love. That's what Jesus, that's what the father said of Jesus. Uh, uh, beautiful talk, eh? My son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Paul's not a hypocrite. Paul isn't a hypocrite. He's saying, this is who I am. I'm Popeye the sailor man. I am what I am what I am what I am. I'm Popeye the sailor man. That's what he's saying. This is who I am, warts and all. He was an interesting guy, but... Um, so there's a heck of a lot in these four verses. In verse 15, it talks about um, you've got, uh, is it 10,000? Yeah, 10,000 guardians in Christ, right? This term is kind of like, uh, if you study in uh, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24, it come, that term comes up there again. And it's actually talking about, um, it's like babysitters, Right? It's kind of like you've got, you'll have people, you'll have babysitters saying, you'll be right, mate, off to bed now. You know, let's make sure you sleep well, all that sort of stuff. You know, that's, that's what babysitters do. We look after and, and we, keep, we keep them as babies. Right? That's the essence of what he's saying. There's heaps of people in the church who will keep you as babies. But fathers don't. And mothers don't. What they do is that um, a father... Right? It challenges you to be everything that you can be in Christ Jesus. Everything you can be. To fully use your gifts, your talents, to, um, to fully give yourself to the life of Christ, to see the world actually in, um, engaged, um, you know, drawn to Christ, figuring out how you can engage the world today, all that sort of stuff. And they talk about that sort of thing. I asked a, um, a shopkeeper the other day, have you ever had any miraculous experiences in your life that you can't explain? Right? At Beach Street Caf, it was, you know, Beach Street Caf. Um, it's on the corner of, uh, talking about Caf's, bro. Uh, Beach Street, I go there every Wednesday. And after a while, I built enough relationship with the guy that uh, makes the coffee to say, hey, bro, 
in the um, if it is Chinese, bro's good talk for Chinese. I don't know, anyway, uh, but anyway, so uh, um, hey, bro, have you ever had any? Um, you ever had any um, uh, out of body experiences or whatever in your life? Uh, no. Are oh, you really? You sure about it? Just just take a minute of time to think. Well, actually, in 2004, I was in England, and um, I was supposed to go on an underground train one morning, and I didn't go. But my two mates went, and it was, and was blown up, and they got killed. And I was supposed to be there. Oh. I wonder, what, I wonder what Jesus might be saying to you about that. I wonder if Jesus might have given you a second chance at life. You see, what I was doing was I was establishing a discipleship relationship with him. He's not a Christian yet, but we're on a journey. Because, see, I go there every Wednesday. So I'm building a relationship with him that will lead him through to something different. Then it says to his wife, Oh, did you, um, what was it like for you? He says, Wife, come in there just after that. She works there as well. Her name's Helen. I said, Helen, um, um, what was it like for you in 2004 when, when Simon um, uh, nearly got blown up in that, in that uh, underground thing? And she said, oh, I never knew about that. Oh. So, so next thing, another conversation starts about um, how Simon and Helen dialogue. Conflict resolution. Doesn't take, fun, doesn't take long, right? You see... You see, when we move out of our privatisation of faith into a Jesus-centred faith, there is stuff around your lives everywhere. Everywhere. All the time. Right? That's what John 4.35 talks about. Read that one later. Right? So, um, so fathers, um, that is very much about a discipleship relationship. Paul is urging the people to imitate him. In a sense, I'm really urging you to imitate me this morning. I am, actually. I'm urging you to do that. You know, it's your choice, but I'm urging you to do that. Right? He's urging these people to imitate him, to live like he lives, totally, totally sold out for Jesus and his mission. Right? Remembering that once you become a Christian, you move from um, you doing life and maybe others come in, into it to... To Jesus is doing life and you're joining him. The moment you become a Christian, it changes from I'm doing life my way to Jesus is doing life his way and I'm called to join in to, to what he's doing in this world. That's a shift that goes on and, it, and, it, and it's really important that in a discipleship relationship we help people explore that. He's given you gifts and skills and all those sort of things, that spiritual gifts that, 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 are, that are to be used to build the kingdom of God. That's what they're for, right? They're not for you to, to look flash and sound flash and all that sort of stuff. No, they're to, to build the kingdom, right? And so here we go, verse 17. Here it is again. Um, I send to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who's faithful in the Lord, and he will remind you of my way of life in Christ. This is challenging, eh? We don't often get sermons like this. We don't often uh, hear, hearing people say, hey, this is actually about imitation. This is how we're supposed to live as Christians. Not a privatised faith at all. Right? That'll be a challenge for us here this morning. Because I think we're brought into the privatisation of faith and that's the world's way of functioning, not, not Christ's way of functioning. 
So this is how a discipleship relationship worked in those days. Timothy, who imitates Paul, who imitates, um, who imitates Jesus. I've got one Corinthians 11 one here. So this is Paul. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He wasn't saying, come and be like me, Paul. No, no. He's saying, he's got confidence to say, I'm following Jesus Christ. Come and join me on that journey and let's do that together and let's challenge each other how to do that together. That's what he's saying. Right? He doesn't want them to become like him. Right? He's just following his example because he's, he's confident in his example is Christ-like. Amazing, eh? He shares this, way, shares this way of living with the believers in Corinth. Timothy is entrusted by Paul to encourage the church in Corinth to live the way that Paul models to live. Remember, which is the way of Jesus. My wonderings are, have we moved away from this way of living in the church today? Have we moved away from it? Often when I ask Christians, do you disciple someone else? I get two responses. The first one is, I've never been discipled. No one's discipled me. I've heard, I hear that heaps of times. Which seems to say that, don't expect me to do that because no one's discipled me. That's really what they're saying. Right? And the second thing they say is, I wouldn't know what to do. Which they say, which I say back, do you want to learn? Would you like to learn? Right? And... Um, as it's kind of pretty important in the order of God's, uh, God's order of things. It definitely falls into the um, gold, silver and precious stones but that it talks of 1 Corinthians um, 3. By the grace of God, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. That's what I spend my life doing. I lay foundations in people's lives. That's what we do, right? And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver and costly stones, wood, hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. That's the day when we all rise to be with Jesus. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Whew. So if, Je if Jesus thinks discipleship is really important, then I guess when it comes to the day, he's going to be chatting about that with us. right? And um, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive, receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though, though only as one escapes through the flames. Right? Interesting, eh? Interesting, isn't it? So, so there's a responsibility as a Christ follower. It's actually a responsibility. Right? And the responsibility is to grow others into the fullness of faith that Christ has for them. So the body of Christ can keep growing. Keep growing. Churches should actually grow continually with new, new disciples coming in that you bring in with you. That's what's supposed to happen. Right? Um, 
So what are the things we do when we're in a discipleship relationship? What do we do? Well, we share our lives together, big time. All of it. Even the bad points in me. Even the bits I'm struggling with, they're all on the table. Right? Everything's on the table. Remember it says in Genesis 2, 25, we're naked and feel no shame. That's how a discipleship relationship is. It is all on the table. Right? Um, what's really happening inside us? Right? Holistically, getting to the emotions um, that we act out of or avoid. Right? I get challenged by the people who are disciples of me say, hey Doug, you talked to us about that, but what about you, bro? What about you? What about you right now when I'm trying to avoid something? Right? They challenge me. We need that. We need to be challenged. Right? And, um, we challenge each other and we encourage each other. In other words, we give each other courage. We discern what the scripture has to say about life situations we find ourselves in, in the here and now. We don't just read the Bible, we let the Bible read us. We discern what the voice of God, the ream of voice of God, may be saying to us and how we respond to that call from above. What do we do with that? I tell you, it's not boring. The discipleship relationship is not boring. We observe each other's responses to stuff and talk about those responses. Hugh knows this. Hugh's seen me doing this for seven or eight years. We follow up on each, each other and we pray for each other. We laugh and we cry together. We don't, do, we don't just do this with each other. We go looking for others. Right? Remember Jesus said, go and make disciples? He didn't say, wait for them to come. He said, no, go. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. It's an intentional work you're doing. Right? And, um, and teaching and model this way of living so they can model this to others who imitate them as they imitate Jesus. That's just kind of a basic view of how this discipleship works. It's kind of sharing our breath together. It's organic. It reaches into our spiritual selves, our emotional selves, our intellectual selves, our physical selves, and our social selves. You know that scripture, eh? Matthew 22, 37 to 39. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he's talking about there. He's taken that one out of Deuteronomy. When we're created out of the dust, we're created in those five things. We're spiritual beings, emotional beings, intellectual beings, physical beings, and social beings. And he's saying, hey, in our discipleship relationships, we develop all of those areas of each other. That's what happens. Do you recognize how many people, especially men, are emotionally depleted in our land? Men struggle to talk about their emotions. Notice that? Right? And in discipleship relationship, that's the first place I head to. The emotions. Put my arm around the guy and say, oh, what's it like when I do that? What's it like when I give you a kiss on the cheek? What's that like for you? Goes back to, oh, yeah, oh no, no one does that. Dad didn't do that. That is a, that is a normal way to actually function. Right? 
you know, the holy kiss, all that sort of stuff. Right? And, um, I wonder what would happen if each of us engaged in this type of relationships. I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen to our faith. I wonder what would happen to us, let alone to others. Boy, it would be challenging, eh? I know it would be challenging. Right? This is way more than memory verses. This is a way of living. Right? I wonder if indeed we would experience incredible growth in the church. Last question. What are the cultural and personal idols that stop us from discipling others? What are the cultural and personal idols that we've put in place that stop us from doing, doing this for others? You see, the only way you'll do this is to lay your life down for Jesus and pick up his way of living. Let's pray. Lord, I know this is a challenging message. It challenges me. It challenges us because um, it means that our life is on the line, Lord. Our life, the way we live, becomes accountable, becomes something that um, others me can measure themselves by. Lord, that's a real challenge. Lord, I pray that you help us, Lord, to, as we leave from here today, even if we chat after the service as we, as we eat that beautiful cake that's out there, you might take some time to allow your spirit to, to speak to us as we speak to each other. and Maybe take another peep at what it means to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Musicians, can you come forward, please?